Well, 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 sloggy old boy. Sorry, inmate number 156. Mail call. Looks like that fool scientist is still sending you letters. Don't know why anyone in their right mind would write to you. Well, maybe he gets me, you simpleton. Ever think of that? He's probably a little weird in his head, too, huh, this Oppenheimer. Does he know you murdered a whole galaxy in cold blood? Does he know how you did it? Huh, you freak? Bet those letters would drop pretty quick like if he did. Of course Francis doesn't know. Do you press every correspondent for a list of their past interdimensional transgressions? You mean like if they're homos or commies or liberals? You'd think there'd be a minimum education requirement for being a guard here. Say, can you help me with this sentence? I can't quite make out a couple of these words. Ha! <laughs> College boys having trouble reading. No, no, it's just his handwriting is atrocious. Just these words here. See? Let me, let me go, you son of a... It says, Hadron Weapon. In the year 2008, in a secret underground lab beneath the Large Hadron Collider, Dr. Oppenheimer Valdini was experimenting with a way to weaponize the so-called Hadron Effect and create the most destructive force ever known to mankind. A freak accident caused the Hadron Weapon to misfire, tearing a rift in the fabric of space-time, remaking our world and the parallel timelines of the multiverse into an infinite succession of horrors. Mike Wilkinson, IT guy by day and indie filmmaker by night, was snatched from his world and thrust into a terrifying dimension of madness and pseudoscience. Now, Oppenheimer and Mike roam the multiverse, chronicling the end of all that is, desperately trying to find a way to heal the rift and restore order to the timelines, the only way they know how, by hosting a podcast. Hey John Gospel Hour, written by Michael McQuilkin and Richard Wentworth. Starring Richard Wentworth, Michael McQuilkin, Lisa McQuilkin, Michael Atkinson, and Wendy McClain. And now, the hour has arrived. Hadron Gospel Hour. Please, just come here. Hey, guys. Uh, what's with all the cats? That's a very good question, Mike. Why would someone bring 23 cats into a highly controlled lab environment? Why would someone do that when they know that dander and fur are very harmful to my... to the lab's functioning? Oh, please, Ashley. Relax. Your intake is triple filtered to remove 99.99% of particulates as small as one thousandth of a micron. It's all in your imagination. Why can't you animals just follow a simple command? I'll remember that the next time I'm calculating the acceptable O2 levels in here. Disrespectful. I'm a little allergic myself. It would have been nice if you'd asked everybody at least. So what is it then, Doc? Some kind of experiment? Because, you know, I'd, I'd have to oppose any animal testing on ethical grounds. No, no, of course not, Michael. I have been consulting internet marketing videos about how to better position the podcast for search engine optimization and maximum visibility across social media. I had to sign up for an ungodly amount of email newsletters, but I took the hit for the team and was granted access to a treasure trove of insider tips and tricks. 
all of these tutorials stress the importance of content, Michael. And all of these tutorials agree that the most important content is cats. Why, cats seem to be a guarantee of unique impressions. Damn it! Why won't these cats attend when I call them? Unique impressions, Michael. Remember that term. Wait a minute. We've got the internet back? But I thought the... And I quote, Grizzly fire of your brilliance wiped it out. The grim flame of my genius. And yes, well, I just reset the router and everything seems to be working fine. You know, nobody seems to be password protecting their Wi-Fi out here, Michael. As a matter of fact, I'm getting a four-bar connection from someone named Belkin underscore Commander Funk right now. So, we've got the internet back, and the first thing you do is bury us in cats and spam emails? I probably would have started catching up with friends, reading articles on The Onion, and maybe downloading a movie or two, but I have to respect your consistency, Doc. Well, thank you, I think. So, as I was saying, when I realized that cats could be such a powerful tool in our marketing strategy, I made a few dozen riff jumps this morning and rounded up as many as I could. Thought perhaps we could sort of sprinkle them into the podcast, have them do their cat things, and get more eyeballs. But now, I'm rethinking my initiative. These cats are impossible to manage, Michael. Come here, blast you! I can't even get them to go back into the rift. Hey there, pal. Thing. Well... I wouldn't blame it on your management style. It must be defective cats. Do you think so? Ah, ha ha. I see. Very humorous. Well, if you're not too busy casting aspersions, maybe you'd care to try your hand at helping me wrangle these feline demons? I mean, they're not at all like that man sticking out of the wall in the hallway, Michael. Now he knows how to stay in one place. Means a lot, dog. Don't encourage him, Cyrus. Ah, right. Cyrus. (sighs) I'll give you a hand, if only to help move this along. Speaking of moving things along, Dr. Oppenheimer, there's an incoming call from a Mr. Slarg. Slarg? What a pleasant surprise! Okay, wait. We can get calls? And who's Slarg? Slarg is my pen pal. And he happens to be an inmate at the Schrodinger Ultra High Security Penitentiary for Wayward Sociopaths, but don't judge him harshly, Michael. We've been corresponding for the past few years, and we've developed quite a nice friendship. Ashley, please put him through. Connecting. You have a pen pal. You have a pen pal. Yes, I have a life outside of my work, Michael. Slog, are you there? Oppenheimer? Francis? Uh, Hey there, my friend. Well, hello, my friend. Good to finally hear your voice. How are you doing? Did you get my recent missive? Uh, yes. Yes, I did. Uh, Thanks for that. Uh, Say, I I was wondering... I hope they're treating you well there, Slog. You know, inmates have rights, too. Well, actually, that's what I was calling about. See, I, I just... Uh, I just got out. Uh, early release for uh, good behavior. Uh, bizarre, right? Well, that's fantastic news, Slog. Uh, but weren't you on death row? Listen, I don't really have time to get into it right now. Uh, do you think you could have that uh, computer of yours whip up one of those special doorways? I didn't have any time to make arrangements for a place to stay, and... I don't know, Doc. You think that's a good idea? We don't even really know him. Of course. Of course you can stay here. Think nothing of it. Ashley, please trace the transmission and open a rift portal for my friend here. Yes, Dr. Oppenheimer. Calculating vectors. Ah, and if you could, uh, hurry that along. Of course, Slog. I'm sure you're eager to start your new life. Ashley, all due haste, please. Is Is it coming? Transmission traced. Opening rift portal. I'll be damned. See you soon, Francis. And I'll see you in hell, bastards! (laughs) Well, he sure seems like an interesting guy. Are you really gonna let him stay here? And why exactly you pen pals with the... With a death row inmate? I expected more from you, Michael. Well, if you must know, it was my therapist's idea. Okay, I sleep in a break room in a lab that's stranded outside of space-time. I'm separated from my fiancé for maybe forever. I have to shower in a utility sink, but you've got a therapist. Several, actually. Takes a village, right? 
Or maybe a medium-sized city in your case, Doc? I just haven't found the right fit. It's like they all have the same rote script. Oh, Oppenheimer, you're so self-obsessed. Oh, Oppenheimer, your massive guilt about the Hadron event is only serving to mask your severely indulgent narcissism. Oh, Oppenheimer, you don't value your friendships. Oh, Oppenheimer, you don't pay attention to the people around you. Poppycock! You tell him, At any rate, one of the better head shrinkers suggested that I start a correspondence, preferably with someone as guilt-ridden as myself, such as an inmate, for example. Someone with whom to exchange those dark thoughts with an expectation of some degree of understanding and perhaps even sympathy. So I had Ashley scan the timelines and find a suitable match. She found Slog. Great idea. Nothing could possibly go wrong there. So what's he guilty of? What did he do that was so bad that he's on death row in an ultra-high security prison? Well, I'm a bit ashamed to say he's always been so interested in my story and in my work with the Hadron Weapon that we've never got around to that. I suppose I should ask him that eventually. Ask me what? What's with all the cats? Ah, Slog. I trust your journey through hyperspace was uneventful? Well, it's a little strange in there, but yeah... Fine. Wow, got out so fast you didn't have time to change clothes, huh? Who's this twerp? What? That twerp's name is Michael, or Mike. And he's helping Dr. Oppenheimer fix that. Francis, you didn't tell me you got an assistant. Assistant? Hey! So with all this help, you must be pretty close to fixing that Hadron weapon by now, right? Where are you hiding it, Francis? The wep- uh, No, far from it. We're working on healing the damage that the weapon caused when it misfired. And the podcast. Don't forget the podcast. Oh yes, uh, and the podcast. But there will be plenty of time to catch up on all of our doings when you've had a chance to freshen up. I'll go prepare you a spot in the break room. You mean my room? I'm staying in the break room. Now, Michael, surely we can all sacrifice a bit while Slog here gets back on his feet. Uh, should only be for... Uh, how long will you be staying? I don't know, a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, Michael. A minor inconvenience, let's be honest. Well, let me set you up in there, and I think there are a couple of spare jumpsuits lying around that aren't so, you know, orange and prisony. Won't be but a minute. Give you two a chance to get better acquainted. Glad to have you here, my friend. Glad to be here. Very glad indeed. Though soon, you won't be. <laughs> uh, what, what was, was that? that? Um, I said thank you, Francis. Oh, ah, okay then. Be right back. So, good behavior, huh? What? Oh, um, yes. I, I started up an early music consortium with some of the other guys on death row. Uh, Warden said it uh, enriched the prison environment. You ask a lot of questions. Only when there's questions to be asked. So, what did you do that landed you on death row? No harpsichords or lutes were involved, I hope. I don't like your tone. I don't like being called a twerp. Hmm. Well, anyway, I'm here now, and that's all that matters. And it looks like we're going to be bunkmates. More than enough time to get all of those nagging questions resolved. So was Francis serious? Uh, You aren't fixing the Hadron weapon? You're just fixing this hole? Yep. What a waste. So this rift, it can take you anywhere? Just about. Well, if the weapon cannot be repaired, then I suppose that will have to do. What was that? Uh, nothing. I don't trust you. Well, I don't like you. Liar. Twerp. You son of a... Boys, <coughs> boys. You separate this instant. There will be none of that tomfoolery in my lab. Listen, Mike. When Francis reached out to me in prison, I was the only person that he'd spoken to since the accident. I listened to him, Mike. I was there for him. Whatever else you think of me, whatever else you suspect, you've got to give me that much. You're right. You're right, Slarg. Thanks for what you did for up, for Francis. I know from experience how huge it is to have someone to talk to when you lose something that big. And maybe you're still getting adjusted to being out of prison. I can't even imagine, to be honest. Cooped up in a cell. Trapped in a place that, for whatever complicated reasons, you can't leave... 
forced to look at the same four walls, the same vending machine, the same arm sticking out of the wall next to that vending machine. Wait, are we still talking about Slarg? Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Well, Mike, I guess I'm sorry too. I suppose I've got some learning to do. But I'm a fast learner. What was that? Manual coffees for everyone. It's a specialty of mine, right, Michael? Uh, sure is, Doc. Quick gulps. Oh, yeah, excellent. Thanks. Hey, Oppenheimer, can I talk to you for a minute? It's about the, uh, the cats. Certainly, Michael, though a bit rude. Uh, Please excuse me, Slog. You never know when inspiration will strike with this one, and I've learned to listen to him when it does. Whatever. What is it, Michael? Have you figured out a way to control these wild creatures? Or dispose of them? Listen, it's not about the cats. I know Slarg is your friend and everything, but I just don't trust him. I don't think he was let out of prison for good behavior, and and I think he might be planning something. What? What do you mean, Michael? Where did you get such a foolish notion? I'm not sure. I don't have any proof. Just a feeling. And all that stuff he keeps muttering under his breath. Oh, yes, I have noticed that. So let's just be careful, okay? I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I'll be happy when he's out of here. Now, Michael, I, I do think you're overreacting, but okay, for your sake, I'll be careful. Though I think you may be just a bit jealous that there's another fellow with the common touch around the lab, hmm? Maybe just a little? You know, I can honestly say I don't at all know how to respond to that. Gentlemen, I don't want to interrupt your cat conference, but I'm exhausted after all that running, uh, discharge paperwork, and I could really use some shut-eye. I got a big night, uh, a day tomorrow, you know, uh, job search and all that. Of course, Slug. All in due time. But I hope you'll please grant me one small indulgence first. Allow me to share with you a glimpse into the worlds of madness that my singular intellect has loosed on the multiverse. Here we go. Prepare to be dumbfounded, Slug, as we view tonight's Tales of the Hadron Rift. Uh, Ashley? Oh. Oh, right. Playing. Hey, it was rewound. Well, I'll be. Okay, guys, tonight you take part of a tradition long since held at the Camp Jim Cotta Career Focus Summer Sleepaway. It's time to tell your ghost stories! Yay, indeed. Now, I'm sure you've all given your individual stories plenty of thought, but let me just reiterate some of the guidelines. Uh, the stories must be scary and or creepy, completely original, keep the nasty language to a minimum, and most importantly, you should try to incorporate your long-term career focus into the story. All right, let's go around. State your name, target career, and then begin your ghost story. You first. Hi, my name is Clarissa with a K. I'm studying to be a doctor, and here's my tale. Years ago, when couples would go to remote locations to hook up instead of online, there was a couple hooking up in a remote location. None of like these boring wooded areas we sit in now. As two of them were making out, the male admitted to recently having a hand transplant. The girl paid no notice and initiated heavy petting, which is the act of intense manual manipulation of the sexual organs. See where this is going? Yes, Clarissa. It's Clarissa with a K. Anyways, the recent hand-transplanted man begins to fret about the actions of the alien hand he possessed. The girl notices the internal struggle he's having, but by that time it's too late. She's choked to death, the body is disposed of, and this is a real phenomenon known as phantom limb syndrome. The end? Clarissa with a K, isn't phantom limb syndrome a condition more often experienced by recent amputees? I want to be a doctor. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Next story. Hi, my name's Tron, like the movie, and I'm studying to be a special effects engineer. My story starts with this awesome, establishing shot of a futuristic city. Can you describe it a little more? You'd have to see it in the finished rendering. It'll take weeks to complete, but trust me, it's awesome. 3D IMAX would be ideal. 
Anyways, we pan into a post-apocalyptic grotto filled with awesome mutant amalgams of cross-reference classic movie monsters. Like seven feet tall, tons of needless appendages, lots going on, except in the eyes. There's not a lot we can do about that yet, but we're working on it. Well, that's promising. So one of them stops as he recognizes one of the other impossibly designed creatures. He's got like all these needlessly baroque steampunk armor pieces moving around. Almost like it takes a Swiss watchmaker to just tilt his goddamn head. And he says, you look like something out of a Del Toro. Interesting. No shit. So the other one pauses for a second. Well, he stops talking, but the mind-numbingly complex micro-detail in his skin keeps cycling. Like a, a vomit of partially digested throwaway technology, if vomit was awesome. He says, there was a guy here last week that said the same thing. Well, right then they both break the fourth wall, look right at the freaking camera, and say... But that guy died. The end. Okay, I see what's taking shape here. Let's uh, let's move on. Uh, you? By name is Tobias Windfall III. I have studied law, and my tale begins with a spurious claim of wrongdoing and or serious bodily harm directed to my client, an upstanding member of his community, and a documented blood donor from an individual with a history of baseless accusations and needless litigation, costing this city countless millions of taxpayer dollars. Okay, is one of these individuals a ghost, Tobias? Should my jury selection process prove effective? Yes. Okay, yeah, great. Uh, Most stories don't start off with an afterword, but yeah, last one. Hi, my name is Jason. I plan on driving a municipal bus. Here is my tale. Many years ago in the sleepy New England town of Meldon, A recent driver shortage in the school busing system prompted the hiring of -of out-of-towner temp workers. One such temp was a man by the name of Tom Trumbridge. Well, by October, Tom's route was one of the longest, driving 40 or so middle school kids all across town. One night, after dropping off the last kid just after sundown, Tom closed the door to the bus and drove into the quickly darkening streets of Melbourne, allowing a moment of quiet relief that he had gotten all of his kids to their homes safely. After driving a few blocks, Something catches his eye in the mirror to his right. He glanced back to see rows of empty seats. Not one to throw caution to the wind, Tom stops the vehicle and walks the length of the bus, scanning the seats as he went. In the last seat towards the back, he sees an old aluminum lunchbox rusted shut. Figuring one of the students left it, he brought it with him to the front and resumed his long journey to the school lot. A few minutes later, the sky was a starless black sheet. Suddenly, Tom hears a loud noise that makes his heart skip a beat, like a body falling from a seat onto the floor of the bus. Tom looked in the mirror, waiting for streetlights to pass through the windows and illuminate the interior. He saw nothing. Looking forward toward the road, Tom continued to periodically glance back, but nothing moves. About a mile away from the school lot, Tom felt what he described as something breathing against his neck, warm and labored, something right behind him. Instinctively, he stopped the bus and pulled the lever that opens the doors, ready to make a hasty exit. He again sees nothing, but something brushes past him as he hears the undeniable sound of footsteps running down the stairs of the old school bus and out into the night. Unwilling to stick around, Tom ran from the bus. He saw a home nearby with the lights on, so he decided to run over and ask the inhabitants to use their phone. A middle-aged woman, looking much older than her years, answered the door. Before Tom could say anything, the woman looked down at his hand. A wave of recognition flashed through her eyes, and she began to cry. Tom looked down and realized that he still had the old rusty lunchbox in his hand. The lunchbox that belonged to this woman's son. The son that was struck and killed by a bus ten years ago 
to the day. Jason? Yes, Mr. Counselor? Bus driver? Seriously? You, you couldn't come up with a better career choice than that? Your parents are paying for this, you know. <laughs> well, I just thought... You thought your parents would approve? Well, guess what, future bus man? They probably want you to aim a little higher than that. <laughs> you kids just don't get it. I want to be a doctor? Well, then go be a damn doctor, then. Just leave me out of it. Sorry, I got here as fast as I could. No worries, me too. I got the ping that Kelsey was fidgeting during our monthly progress report meeting. And you know how big that meeting is for me. It went long. She was in a complete fit by the time we got out, and the travel tubes were a mess. She's been screaming like this for hours, huh? Yeah, and I'm starting to get concerned. She looks okay, right? I mean, this is the normal way a baby's supposed to look, right? I think so. I mean, I don't really remember her looking any different. Maybe a bit less red and scrunchy. Let's be honest, I don't look at her much. Yeah, me neither. Well, I'm officially concerned now, too. What do we do? You're the mom. (laughs) Chauvinist. For real, though, we need to figure this out. I have no idea what this screaming is all about. Let's call support. The number should be on the side of the pod. Okay, yeah, let's see. Hold music. Cuddle Pod Technical Support, this is Randy. May I have your 23-digit PIN number, please? Sure. Uh, 23-digit PIN number? Where's that? You really are not a touch, Dad. It's in the pod behind the neuroplugs. Even I know that. Uh, okay, fine. Could you read it to me? Sheesh. 254 Uh, sorry, nope. It's two five four three seven eight seven seven six four three four zero three one four five four three eight six zero two. Oh, okay. Sorry, that's two five four three seven eight seven seven six four three four zero three one four five four three eight six zero two. Right. Good. Okay. How can I assist you today? Well, our daughter Kelsey... With two eyes? Well, yeah. I, I think we probably would have returned her if she'd had a different number of... I'm sorry, sir. No, her name. Two eyes and Kelsey? Ah. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, two eyes. Okay, mm-hmm. sir. So you were saying... Tell her about the screaming. I'm about to. Uh, she's been screaming. Okay, let me do a little troubleshooting with you. If you could just answer a few questions, I'm going to get Kelsey's uplink info to see if things are working properly on the network. Okay. So my records show that there have been no customer service calls previous today. Has Kelsey had any health difficulties? No, she's perfectly healthy. Good. Now, if you could have a look inside the pod, sir. What is Kelsey's color? Um, I don't know, kind of uh, pinkish red? Is that unusual? Not with this level of agitation, sir. Let me just find out a bit more and we'll try to get you up and running, okay? Sure, yeah, okay. She said something about agitation. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. Sir, everything's going to be fine. We do everything we can to create a seamless, hands-free, child-rearing system for parents with full lives, but we still see agitation from time to time. Now, can you see the neural connectors at the head of the pod? Uh, let's see. The, uh, the wires? Yes. Good. Do the wires look securely attached to the base of Kelsey's skull? Um, yeah. I mean, they look attached. I, I don't have to... No, sir. Just trying to get an idea. A visual check is fine. Is Kelsey moving at all? Yeah, she's sort of wriggling from side to side, and she's making her hands into fists. If I didn't know better, I'd say she was angry. That's probably exactly what's happening, sir. Very good observation. Oh, really? Thanks. She's probably angry. What? 
In this apartment? In this neighborhood? Ungrateful little... Can you take a look at the nourishment conveyance unit, sir? Where's that? See, according to my records, you own a Model 7A. So it would be at the left front of the pod. Uh, it should be labeled Nutrihug? I see it, yes. The pump mechanism, is it moving up and down? Yes, uh, sort of hypnotically even. It's calibrated for maximum relaxation. Can you see the tubes extending from the unit into Kelsey, sir? Uh, yes, they're filled with a thick beige fluid. That was my next question, sir. Excellent. Huh. She liked that I anticipated her question about the beige fluid. Bravo. Okay, sir, everything seems nominal on your end, and I'm looking at our network diagnostic data right now. Okay, it looks like Kelsey's showing normal neurofunctioning, and her physiognomic data is very good. That's good news. Great! Uh, she just said a lot of stuff. Uh, looks good, though. Also, I'm seeing that you've got the platinum package for the Neurostem service. So Kelsey's getting excellent programming provided directly into her sensory cortex. 500 channels of content. The connection looks fine. Let's see. The schedule right now is showing... Oh, she's watching the Kitty Cat Cutie Kitty program right now. I think I might know what the problem is. Let's see. Is Kelsey three months old? Um, yes. Yes, three months. Have you created a friend book account for her yet? Uh, no. Uh, I didn't know we had to. Well, it's supposed to be an auto-enroll process, but I'm not seeing her in the system. We've been experiencing a bug with that, and when babies don't have friend book access, they can't show the videos they like. The Kitty Cat Cutie Kitty program is very popular, and it's the most widely shared content in Kelsey's demographic. So I think that might be causing her agitated state. I'm setting up an account for her right now. A confirmation message will be sent to your stim box. The address we have on file is Glive, Ellen, and Kelsey at product.net. Is that information correct? Yes, uh, all one word. Excellent. Glive, she stopped screaming. She's smiling. Great. Wow, so that fixed it, huh? Looks like it. Our apologies for any inconvenience that that glitch caused. You should begin seeing Kelsey's status updates in your feed within a few minutes. Basically, it transcodes baby's thought forms into verbal form. Is there anything else I can do for you today? No, that's terrific. Thanks so much. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. Okay, bye. Well, that's that. Whew. I thought she was going to tell us to pick her up or something. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's real good. I needed a laugh. Say, uh, have you looked at those vacation brochures yet? Yeah, I was thinking Barbados. I need a vacation from Little Miss Cranky Pants. Oh, hey, I just got a status update from Kelsey. Huh. What's it say? It says, my mommy and daddy should be ashamed of themselves. Well, that can't be right. dream. I was in this interdimensional bunker spaceship thing, and there was this kooky scientist and a rift in space-time, and a talking computer, and a guy in a wall, and a podcast, and Thor, and... There, there, Michael. And, uh, you're safe and sound, albeit in the exact situation you're describing from your nightmare. Uh, Oppenheimer, what the hell are you doing in here? And what time is it? It's 3 a.m. I came to get a seltzer. I couldn't sleep. I'm just too excited about having Slog here. I'm thinking I'll take him to the People Candy World tomorrow, do a little shopping, uh, get some new clothes for his job interviews. Uh, by the way, you snore loudly, Michael. It's a wonder you haven't woken Slog up with all of your honking. Okay, first off, I don't snore. And second, his bedroll seems to be, how should I say, uh, slargless? Completely unsuspicious, right? What do you mean, Michael? Are you still letting Slog's rough manly vibe get to you? He's probably just gone to the lavatory. I know I will be if I keep drinking this delicious seltzer. Mm. Well, better go check it out. Hmm. 
Well, I still don't get all this paranoia, but I'll go with you, if only to prevent you from bludgeoning any imaginary bogeyman to death with one of your flip-flops. Jeez, it's much quieter out here than usual. wonder if we should check on Cyrus. Oh, hey, fellas! You're up early! Jesus, Cyrus! Don't do that! Sorry, Mike. You two couldn't sleep either? Huh? I don't blame you. That new guy's a total Debbie Downer. And you know I can get along with just about anyone. Oh, great. Another threatened alpha male. No. Cyrus, what do you mean? Did he say anything? Well, yeah, we chatted a bit. I'm always interested in people's stories. But he was really rude about my condition. Just a negative Nelly, you know? Anyway, he was really interested in the Doc's experiments. Like what, exactly? Well, he wanted to know where Doc keeps the Hadron weapon. So you told him? You bet I did. Anything to get rid of him. I don't need to be around that kind of energy. I know you know what I mean, right, guys? Yes, excellent. Michael, I'm flattered by this jealous streak of yours, but surely Slog's interest in my work is harmless. Well, he did laugh in a kind of sinister way when I told him. All right, that's it. See you, Mike. Let's catch up soon, okay? Michael, wait! Michael, Michael, please. I, I just know that you're going to be very embarrassed when we find out that Slog is only innocently interested in... Henchman, please. Gently now. We don't want to break any of this sensitive equipment. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, uh, Francis, hey, what are you guys doing up at this hour? Uh, my uh, poker buddies uh, and I were just moving some things around so we could set up a quick game of uh, Texas Hold'em. <laughs> I hope we didn't wake you. Are you kidding me? And where did these goons come from? Michael, Ashley must have brought them here. Ashley, that's right, isn't it? You brought uh, Slog's uh, poker buddies here from their world, right? Ashley? Ashley? <sighs> Well, I was hoping this would go down another way. Lads. Now just you wait a minute, ruffians! Hey! Let me go, you bastards! I put Ashley into sleep mode, Francis. She certainly is a feisty one, isn't she? And it was I who located my associates and brought them here through the rift. I don't understand, Slog. Why? Do you have any idea of the intellect required to snuff out an entire galaxy, Francis? Actually, I imagine you might. But do you know how I did it? I caused the simultaneous eruption of a devastating chain of supernovae. An operation involving countless precise calculations and rigorous, finely calibrated execution. A network of billions to pull it off. It was flawless. Glorious. It was the most horrific display of willful destruction ever witnessed. Well, that is until you and your Hadron weapon came along, Francis. What you did in your ignorance eclipsed my great work in totality, rendered my crimes pitifully insignificant. The fracturing of the multiverse, as Gawker termed it. It was the talk of every parallel. You were now the most hated man in human history. My galactic atrocity was consigned to the back pages. Do you know how much that hurt, Francis? Slog, I'm not sure I... Luckily, my criminal network was still very much intact, and unlike present company, my pain has only ever spurred me to greater heights. And I've never been burdened by what your weak kind call guilt. And I had nothing but time. So I studied you and your research, Francis. Oh, I studied you well. And when my associates informed me that you were plowing through psychiatrists to cure your melancholia, well, it was no difficulty at all to put one of my men on the job, one who made a simple suggestion that so surely led you to correspond with the man who snuffed out a galaxy. Thus, the trap was laid, Francis. And for the past few years, that trap has closed like a fist inexorably around you and your Hadron weapon. 
As for the security of your lab AI, let's just say you should have bought the deluxe edition. You better not have hurt her. And this one. Really, Francis, a man of your caliber? You could have chosen a better class of friends. Well, none of that matters anymore, I suppose. Now, let's see. Where was that manual rift open control again? Ah, yes. Say goodbye, Mike. Slog, no! Please, you can't! (laughs) You see, Mike, Francis knows that hyperspace is not a very hospitable place for the denizens of the lower dimensions. Oh, it's fine for short jaunts, but trapped there, you probably won't last more than a few days. Maybe a week. And it won't be a very fun week, as you are slowly deconstructed and consumed in the furnace of creation. (laughs) Slog! And that's that. (laughs) Gentlemen. No! Let me go! You let go of... Farewell, Mike. Sorry I didn't make more of an effort. (laughs) You know, I really did think things were as bad as they could get. Crap, crap, crap! I'm gonna be ripped apart inside of a living DMT trip! Crap, crap, crap! Come on, Mike. Keep it together. Maybe I can get a message to to Thor. Um... Hey, Thor! I, uh... I invoke thee! That's not gonna work. I'm gonna be eaten alive by machine elves. This sucks. Oh. My. Slug, my work with the Hadron weapon was misguided. Surely you can't be contemplating using it again. Why, I almost destroyed everything. Well, that's the point, isn't it, Francis? Almost isn't good enough. I'm going to see to fruition what you didn't have the stomach to finish in the first place. Everything in flames. Every conceivable timeline. Every parallel engulfed in the glory of the Hadron Apocalypse! Ha-ha! Ahoy there! Identify yourself! Human? Flotsam? Jetsam? Space Jump? Um, I'm a Mike? Well, Mike, it's irrelevant, my friend, because your foundering's at an end. For you are in the presence of the legendary rift ship Deus Ex Machina, and I, her captain, the exhilarating and action-packed Commander Fog! <gasps> that was me. I, I was off on that one. Uh, Soul Pilgrim Mike, make ready to come aboard! I think it says something about my growth as a person, but I am completely unsurprised by all of this. Huh. Okay, on my way. Let's see, the first thing we'll do is dispose of all these cats. Then uh, do what you can to sterilize the hallway. I don't want to have to make small talk every time I need to use the bathroom. But, Slog, that's a... Man? Yep, that's right, Doc. A man. Slog, that's a man out there. You you can't just... You really are thick, aren't you? I'm so disappointed in you, Francis. Maybe I won't let you live to see all of this doom after... Ah! Boys and girls and, uh, cats, prepare to be boarded by Commander... Fuck! My new friend Mike was telling me about a ne'er-do-well named Slarg. So me and my crew thought we'd come and see. So let's cut the Felger carb. I got a brain full of meat and a sword made of lasers. So tell me, you feel fortunate, punk? Because you'd better have a plan. Or you'll end up half a man when you've been Julian. At the hands of Commander... Funk! Alright, that's alright. We'll work on it soon. So, Mike, where's this slog fella? Your thrice-funky retribution is at hand, you bad, bad man. That's him, right there. Uh, But uh, there must be some kind of misunderstanding. I'm only helping the doctor here. Don't build shift a build shifter, man. Ensign Crankcase, apprehend these jive fools. Yes, sir, Commander Funk, sir. Stop! 
you'll never take us. I'll destroy you! Well, I'm no math magician, man, but I count 30 of my seasoned salty crew here against your five lovers. And I've got a ship full of backup anchored in the rift just out there, so... What do you say? I suppose I choose... I choose... The rift! <laughs> Far out. I won't lie, friends, that was easier than I thought it'd be. So what to do with you remaining, chumps? Again, surprisingly smooth. Well, young blood, I guess your happening is back up and running. Is this your main man, Oppenheimer? Yeah. Hey, Doc, are you okay? Just a bit shaken, is all. I still can't believe that Slog would... How can I be so blind? Hey, brother, don't get too bummed. Why, I remember when our spaceship got sucked into the black hole that spit us out to the rift. I didn't have any idea what a black hole even was. Now, of course, I know that even time cannot escape the intense gravitational pull of the black hole. That could be debated, Commander. But... No, no, we weren't, we weren't doing it that time. Only when I signaled, okay? Anyhow, what matters is, you guys are safe, and that slag turkey's gone for good. I certainly hope he is, but somehow I feel we've not seen the last of him, Commander... Funk. Funk! No, no, we're not. Okay, well, we should go. Oh, come on, guys. Why don't you hang out for a bit? You can tell us more about how you guys were able to survive in the rift and stuff. Oppenheimer can make manual coffee. Nah, thanks for the offer, Mike, but we've got to get back to the ship. That funk ain't gonna funkify its own funky self, right? So saith the solid state, platinum-plated scourge of the quantum seas, Commander Funk! You were supposed to do it that time, guys. I, I Funk! No, no, it's too late now. Just... Okay, we're out. I'm sure we'll see you cool dudes again. Stay groovy, brothers. Funk out! Sheesh, I think I could use at least two weeks off after this one. I hear you, Michael. Say, Oppenheimer, I'm, I'm sorry I wasn't more understanding of your relationship with Slarg. I mean, I know I was right about him, but maybe I could have been more considerate about it. Sorry, Doc. I think I discovered you're a bit more human than you let on. And I learned something, too, Michael. Those therapists, even the ersatz ones, were right. I am a narcissist. I need to take time to value the people around me. I need to learn to be a better friend to you, to Ashley, even to... even to Cyrus. Oh, love you, Doc. I... I love you too, Cyrus. Wow, that's... that's great to hear, Doc. You know, it's times like these that I'm grateful we don't live in one of those sitcom worlds where they hit the reset button every week and everyone's back to their old selves, regardless of the lessons they learned in the previous week. So, uh, hey, how do we start Ashley back up, anyhow? Oh, just hit that reset button there. Happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Hadron Gospel Hour was produced by Richard Wentworth and Michael McQuilkin. Production assistance from Katie Falvey and Rebecca White. Special thanks to Tim Conway, Bob Wilson, Chris Pochstis, Tim Gleason, and Don and Eric Schultz. Download, rate, and review episodes of Hadron Gospel Hour at iTunes and Stitcher. And listen to episodes anytime at hadrongospelhour.com. Hadron Gospel Hour.